listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm so happy Carolyn's back on the broadcast. And today we thought we'd do something a little bit different than we have done in the past. We're going to do a fashion show. Fashion show at lunch. Um, but we're talking, you saw the title, we're talking about how to enhance your marriage flow. But it's, it's different than what you may think. We get questions all the time about, you know, one of the things that I, I it, it's kind of a sad thing, is that in many marriages, you've got the, the wife who a lot of times, percentage-wise, this is true, more on fire for God than the husband. Or the wife's a a Christian and the husband's not. And uh, statistically, there are more women that go to church than men. And and what happens a lot, and you've dealt with this a lot, and you've had this question come to you, um, is that what do I do when my husband's not not as on fire for God as I am? Or how do we make sure that we have that spiritual flow in our marriage where we're in sync um, and where we're, we're on the same page and things are flowing the way that they're meant to flow. We don't want any hindrances in the marriage. We want it to move in one direction. We want to get, I've listed two bands just in this. I've said in sync and one direction in just one. Keep going. Uh, yeah. You got this. And so we want to be, you know, we don't want to be out on the back street with the boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nailed it. Um, but... <laughs> No, but seriously, and you get yeah. that question a lot. Because it, you know, when the sun comes up, out, Lena? it gets to be like 98 degrees. Oh, <laughs> 98 degrees. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um. Mm-bop. Oh, please. No. <laughs> Anson. So. Don't, because now it's like going to be a yeah, thing. The whole it. entire broadcast is going to be it. thinking of boy bands. Um, but it, it's true, though. It, it is true. That we have that, and we've had a lot of questions. You deal with that. People ask you all the time. I just you know, say, you know, get a divorce. No, you know, you've never said that. I know. But, the, you know, what do you do? I mean, like, it's, it's a thing that people are struggling with. They're wondering, I want to see my husband catch on fire. I want to see my marriage moving in one direction. We see, I was just going to say, I want to see him go in one direction. <laughs> I was just literally, it was coming out of my mouth, and you beat me. <laughs> A lot of times they're down, you know, on the coast. And so, you know, they want to go to the beach with the boys. Beach boys, I don't know. <laughs> no, but seriously. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you might have lost I said me you now. want to be in sync with your spouse. I know. Um, but seriously, you deal with it. You've dealt with it some on the podcast, you know. You can't afford to just, as a wife, as a husband, you can't afford to just hang it up. You don't know, say like, well... Because what will happen in your flesh, you'll get to a place where you're just ticked off. You're just mad. You're irritated that your spouse isn't pressing in to the anointing like you are. And then it starts causing problems because you're going in two different directions. <laughs> Actually, my said favorite I, too. I hate I, being I, the new kid on the block. I um, loved them. So it, it is true though. And, and One of the things we were talking about on the way over here, which is a really a great thought is 
One thing I appreciate about Carolyn is that Carolyn has always stayed pressed in, you know, and you, you're a big person. You're not, you, you even come at it from this angle. I'm not just married to a preacher. So, you know, you can't coast. You say, well, you know. But I had to get that at the beginning because when we, I mean, we got married at 23 mm-hmm. and you're in the ministry and been in the ministry. And then here I am getting, you know, stepping into that role. And then, you know, four years later we had kids. So I had to learn to not just ride the coattails of you. And I think it got to a point where you start feeling that separation, not in a, not in a bad way, but you start feeling like, you know, well, you're pressing in. I need to actually do something and get it for myself because it, even though he is the head of the household and, you know, will ultimately make the final decision, I have to be in agreement with that to make it work in unity because where there's unity, there's strength. And so in order for me to come up with the same thing, the Lord can speak to me. And we all know that the second time is confirmation. Hmm. So like when you hear it and I hear it, that confirms it the second time is confirmation. And then we know that we can step in that direction or in that answer with peace and joy. Well, that, that, and that's been, that's happened. Jessica said, I wish Joseph would step it up a notch. No, it's true. But you, you look at the fact that even with us, even the major decisions that we've made, one of the things that I always want to be sure of is that as I'm hearing from the Holy Ghost, I don't want to be the only one hearing from God. I want my wife to hear from God. Because let me tell you something. It's a whole lot easier to move forward when I'm not just telling her, no, no, this is what God's saying. This is what we're doing. I don't care if you like it or not. This is the direction. we're. It's a whole lot easier if I hear from the Lord and she hears from the Lord. Because see, it confirms in her spirit. And if you become one at marriage, which the Bible says you do, then you, and you're both, you've got the Holy Ghost, then you both should be able to hear from that same Holy Spirit, that same instruction about the same direction. It happened to us most notably when I was driving from Pittsburgh to Rochester, New York to do a meeting. And I decided that I was going to pray in the Holy Ghost for the entire drive and just hear from God. It wasn't 10, 15 minutes into the drive that I heard from the Lord. And he said, it's time for you to move from Virginia Beach and to move down to South Florida. Told me all the stuff that we were to do. Well, my wife is from there originally. And when she left, she was like, I'm never going back to South Florida. I'm never going to do that. She's eating eating her words. (laughs) She, uh, she's like, I'm never doing that. Well, Soon as I heard, she wasn't with me at the time. I was going to do a meeting by myself. No, it was midnight. I was yeah. pregnant with Teddy in bed, about yeah. to go to sleep. Yeah, but you were back home in, in Virginia, and I was. No, I know. Yeah, so you don't I get called this her. Kind of news when you're trying to go to bed. It <laughs> yeah, doesn't put you. I to didn't sleep. wait till the next morning. I called right then, <laughs> because you know it got it, it. When a word hits you, you get excited about the word from the Holy Ghost. So I called Carolyn, like what close to midnight. Yeah, and I'm like. I dropped the whole thing. Lord told us it's time to move. It's time to, you know, rent our house out and move to Florida and South Florida and all this stuff. Go to go to church where we're going, all that stuff. But then she's like, uh, are you serious? Like, what was it from on your side at the, initially? Um, initially, my first thought was like, what? 
why? You've always said you disliked Florida. Which I do. I said I would never go back. We have a house. We have a good church. My parents and my sister, um, her kids live 10 minutes from the house. I've grown to love Virginia Beach. Because for me, the Lord brought me out of Florida uh, through prayer. And I, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I didn't want to do that either. So to get me to Virginia, to Virginia, which I didn't want to be there when I got there <laughs> prior to this. And then when I finally fell in love with Virginia and it became, you know, what I wanted to, where I wanted to be, met Ted, had kids, established a family, started our ministry. Then for him to say, I want to go back to where you started I was like, wait a second. I said I wasn't going to go back. I have no desire to go back. Right. You know, when, when God takes you from a place where it was your past, it wasn't a bad past, but, it, but God had to remove me from that place so I could hear him at a greater level where I could meet Ted and, and do what we're doing and have the, the kids we have. I just, I, it was like an old thing for me. So I felt like, I was stepping backwards almost in time. Like, Lord, why are you doing this? I said I'd never go back. I, I, I always said I never wanted to raise my kids in Florida. Didn't want to do any of that. And so when you first said that, I, I didn't want to do it. I was like, uh, what? No, we're getting ready to have a, another baby or a third child. Just putting his room together, just finished painting it, and now you want to leave the house? Right. <laughs> and so, no, I, I didn't want to go at first. And so the thing was, he never got pushy about it. He knew that I had to have time to hear from the Lord. And that's key. That's key because you want that uh, synchronicity. You want that, that kind of a, a unity in a, in a life decision like that. And what ends up happening is if you don't let the Lord speak, and you start getting into the flesh. No, you're going to listen. What I said, your wife has submitted. You're, you're going to get in a problem because now you can start to push it in the flesh, which brings even more resistance to that thing. So wisdom says, well, she's filled with the Holy Ghost. She prays. Let God talk to her. And, and that's where I think a lot of in marriages, they get like, I need a instant gratification. That's how a lot of people live nowadays is instant gratification. I need it now because that's how we're fed with everything. Everything's a now. Everything's at the tip of our fingers. We can do everything in a moment right now. So we don't allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our spouse and give it time to get the same answer. And so it, it was a, it was it was a few weeks. Yep. Actually, we were in a meeting and I can remember certain major times in my life where I hear from the Lord, like, you know, you can hear from him daily, but I mean like an audible, like, and he was getting ready and we were in Kentucky getting ready for a meeting and he was in the bathroom and I was out by the bed and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you always pray, Carolyn, you say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go, do what you want me to do and say what you want me to say. Here's your time to do what you tell me all the time that you're going to do. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're smacking me around. <laughs> and so I said, all right, this is what you said. And, but I had told the Lord, I said, listen, I'm going to go back to where I'm from. There's some things, you know, you got, 
I don't, I'm not just like in a prayer closet all day long talking to the Lord. I'm not like on my knees all the time talking to the Lord, though those are times that you do have with the Lord. But sometimes my prayer and my talking with the Lord is a straight conversation. I'm in a relationship with him. Right. You're in a relationship with him. I'm not all super holy when I'm talking to Ted yeah, and you don't come like, bowing before him. And right. you know, I got to have worship <laughs> music playing. I just have conversations. Carolyn, I come to you now and I want to ask you where you'd like to eat. It's like, you, you know, know. You realize you're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. You can just sit there and talk to him at your table. And, and that is your prayer time. That's your conversation with him. Prayer is talking to him. And it's not always asking for stuff. It's praising his name. It's lifting him higher. It's consecrating yourself. It's giving him yourself. glory. It's like, giving him honor. Like you did. That's, that's truly consecration. Is when you pray that prayer of, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. You know, one of the, one of the things that Jesus had to do, same thing you did, same thing I did, which is, Lord, if this is your will, let me submit to it. That's what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, his flesh was trying to stop him from the cross. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from before me. I don't want to do it in my flesh. But then that prayer of consecration says, if it's your will, Lord. By the way, it's the only prayer in the Bible where you pray, if it be your will. You don't pray it for prayer of faith. You don't pray it for healing. You don't pray it for deliverance. You don't pray for blessing. We know what his will is regarding those things. But when you're being led in your life, when you're being led in your marriage, you have to hear from the Lord what his will is. So that prayer of consecration is, Lord, whatever your will is, let your will be done in my life. I'll, like she said, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. And you but have to you pray have that. to mean it because when you make a vow, to, see, for me, a huge pet peeve, I mean, I'm sure it is for a lot of people, but lying, like, and not keeping your word. So that's how I've actually increased faith in my own life is I'll say something. I may not be there yet, but I know that once I verbally say something, I have to keep my word and I'll never back out of it. So when I say something, I'm always like, okay, this is a step of faith for me, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. And so when he told me that, when the Lord said that to me, I said, all right. I don't want to go back. I, I kind of get not, you know, I'm not saying I gave the Lord stipulations, but, you know, you make your request known to him. I said, right. Lord, you're, God doing, wants you to do you're that. doing this. You're, you're asking us to do this. So I'm asking you to do this. Yeah. And I gave him some things because I'm from that area and there's places I didn't want to go back and live. There's places I, you know, that I just wanted it to be a certain way when we went back. And he's honored that. Yeah, and there's he, nothing. He honored, God, he honored my faith for stepping out. Sure. He honored my request. Absolutely. And God wants you to do that, which is why the Bible says, make your request known unto God. He wants you to make your request known. He's a loving heavenly father that wants to bless his children with good gifts. And so we did that. But not only did I hear from the Lord, she heard from the Lord. I didn't have to press it on her. I didn't have to push it on her. There's got to be a flow. See, where both can be led by the Spirit. Then you get to the place where, well, my wife, I know she presses in. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I've told her this. I've said it on the broadcast. Seemingly, God answers, Carolyn, uh, God answers Carolyn's prayers faster, many times, than mine. She gets answers to prayer like that, like very, very quickly. 
And, um, and so I know she's pressing in. She's not just chilling out and I'm fasting and praying. I'm reading. She's pressing in also. And so in, a, in, in an ideal situation, you obviously do want a husband and a wife that are going to press in together. And one of the things that I would ask, you know, there's, there's people, you might be watching, you might be listening on the podcast. There are people who uh, are struggling with a spouse that's either not as on fire or not saved. And people get frustrated. You can let your flesh get frustrated. But I, I wonder to myself, and I'm not making a judgment, I'm just, I wonder. How many of these wives, how many of these husbands are actually pressing in and praying, seriously praying and fasting for their, for their husband or wife. Like, I wonder that, like you say, well, you know, I'm just praying God. Many times I think that the, uh, what, what's going on is, well, I, I'm just waiting for God to touch my husband. I'm just waiting for God to touch my wife. Yeah. But what are you doing? What action steps are you taking? Are you fasting? Are you praying for them on a daily basis? See, because imagine, imagine if it was something very serious, like you were diagnosed with stage four cancer, man, you'd be praying, you'd be fasting, you'd be reading the word, you'd be going hard because you don't want to die. Yeah. But imagine if your marriage is dying. Imagine if your marriage is the thing that's got cancer and you're just saying, well, I'm just waiting for God to fix it. No. What are you doing? Are you praying? Are you fasting and asking God to intervene, touch your husband, touch your wife, speak to them, Lord, speak to them. Set them on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost. See, what are you doing? Are you taking steps? Or are you just coasting, hoping God figures it out for you one yeah, day? Yeah, or writing everybody, getting everyone's opinion. Getting irritated. You know, the people I know, you know, yeah, we are to have people that we can go to that are going to pray for you for real and raise you higher and, you know, pull you up when you feel weak and you can't do it and standing in the gap for you. But the people that I find that seem to always struggle with these types of things, you find out that they've just gone to so many, like so many people know their business. Right. It's the ones who really like get that miracle are the ones you would say, I never knew they were going through that. Right, right. Because they're not. It's not advertised. And it's not that you so can't much. tell anyone. But that's what I just said. There yeah. are, you got to have the core people that you know that are there to say, listen, we're going to snap out of this. This is what, how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to handle it. This is what the Bible says. I'm, I'm sticking with you and, and period. You have, to, you have to be able to identify the ones that will truly press in with you. And, and you have to know the ones that are just going to just regurgitate your business to other people. They're not actually standing with you. They're not actually praying for you. You know, those people are are worthless to tell anything to. And so you, you like, like Jody when, said, a tight circle. When, hey, Ted and Ashley. When Ted's t still to this day, and it's been eight years that Maddie was healed of a blood disease and people will hear us talk about it. There's people that I've known my whole life that, I mean, just not long ago said, what? Maddie was in the hospital? I didn't know that, yeah. So it's, it's like, you gotta have those core people both standing and believing and pressing in with you. Right. No question about it. And that, you know, there, there, there are discrepancies, right? And I know people that are watching um, this today or listening on the podcast, you have things happen. Like here's some common things we have happen. I'm on fire for God. My husband's not. I want to tithe. He doesn't want me giving 10% of our money to the church. That's a common. 
you know, and so what do you do? What do you do in a situation where you want to obey God and his word and your spouse doesn't want you doing that? Well, obviously let's deal with this first. The Bible has a system that God set up for the marriage. And it's interesting because Paul, who's writing to the Ephesians, he actually says uh, and likens the marriage to the church. Christ is the head of the church. And Paul said, and the husband is the head of the wife. Doesn't say he's the head of the house, although he is. He's the head of the wife. And so there is an actual delegated system in marriage, just like there is in the church. Um, And so God doesn't use rebellion or he doesn't usurp authority to bring changes. And so one of the things that has to take place is that, you know, it's not really the place. If you want to be scriptural about it, it's not really the place for a wife to rise up and lord it over her husband because he's not on fire, because he's not saved and take control of the home. And you know what I'm saying? It's not really the scriptural way. It's now one thing that we always make sure we say when we're teaching on this is number one, yes, a wife should submit to her husband, but only as much as the husband is not leading her into sinful actions or doing things that are displeasing to God. If Carolyn was saved and I was unsaved, and then I was going to start pushing her into leading her into doing stuff that was unscriptural, unholy, then she should not submit to that. Because obviously, as a Christian, the first person you submit to is unto the Lord. He's number one authority. It's like even the apostles said that. Even government is not above the Lord. You know, in Acts 5, 29, the apostles said, we must obey God rather than man. So the, the number one authority is God. Everybody watching, I want you to put that in the comments today. The number one authority is God himself. Number one authority is God himself. And then there are delegated authorities under God. But in a home, the husband is the head of the home and the wife and the children. And so that's why Paul said, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I think one of the reasons, and you can speak on this, I think one of the reasons that Carolyn uh, trusts me to call some shots and make the decisions, she knows that I'll put her first and I'll put the children first. I'm never going to lead us to do something out of a selfish ambition or just because I want it. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care how it affects you. I'm doing this because I want to do it. She knows and understands that I put her first and the children first. That's me loving them like Christ loved the church who gave himself for them. See, that's the picture. Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself for the church. That's what that means, that verse. It means a, 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 a self-sacrificing love. I'll put her first, I'll put the kids first. And because she knows that, it's not hard to submit to that kind of love. No, it, it, you have a mutual agreement on it. And so, and, it, and it's the same thing. It's almost like you're trying to please me, but then because of that, then I'm trying to please you. And then, <laughs> then we can't figure out what we're going to eat for dinner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but it's, it's seriously, that doesn't end up happening. But 
the key, the key becomes, it's a trust factor that's built yeah. because of love. And so when he called me and told me a decision like that, and that hasn't been the only big decision we've had to make together or he's come to me about, you know, I then allow the trust that he is a man of God and he, you know, not only in the fivefold ministry, you know, people who are watching, your husband following after Jesus Christ, he's a man of God. Look at him as a man of God and trust what, and it's not always comfortable hearing an instruction, whether it be from him, whether it be from the Lord, but I had, I have that trust that he's hearing from God. And so like, like we said earlier, when a thing, even if the wife comes to the husband and he hasn't heard anything yet, you know, then there's got to be time where you let them have the Holy Spirit speak yeah. to your husband. I'm not against that. My wife will hear things from the Lord and she'll say, I feel we're supposed to do this. All right, let me pray about it. Yeah, so it's not a shut down on the man, on the husband, on the I head of the, the holes. I make the decisions here. But at the same time, I have to let him hear from the Lord. I don't need to nag. I don't need to, you know, go on and on about it. I need to, as women, we are great at nagging. It's like a gift we have. And so we have to realize that it's something we have to work on. It, because it's just how we're built. We're built to be, a, you know, a nurturer. We're built to have things, you know, we want things to be in order for our house. We want things to be a certain way. And so it, it can come across as nagging. So we actually have to make sure we work on that and not, you know, like overstep the boundaries of the instruction of the Holy Spirit because we'll want to take control of a situation. Exactly. You know, I, I get lots of messages and it's like the wife, like we talked about at the beginning, because so many women are statistically, you know, going to church on fire. There's more women in churches than there are men. If you were to yep. take account in each church, you will find that there are more Absolutely women there are. Than, than men in church. And so that's just how it is. And so you have to let them take some time. You know, I'll have women say, oh, well, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to move. We're supposed to do this. And I need my husband. And it's like, you just told him three days ago, like, let him hear from the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was a few weeks before I got it. And there was times where I called him and I was crying. And I, are you sure that's what the Lord told you? <laughs> are you sure <laughs> we're supposed to pick up and move everything, you know? Right. And, and, and there was times, you know, where I felt like I told him the other day, I was like, you know, I felt like we were going backwards when you asked us to move. So that was a hard step because we owned a home in Virginia and now we're going to Florida to rent a home because we wanted to figure out, you know, the Lord told us to do something. So we wanted to jump on it. But I had to like fight those feelings of, hey, you know, we're always moving forward in life. Every year gets better and better. Wait, now I'm renting. You know what I mean? Like, I own a perfectly good home in Virginia. There's, we're at a great spot where we travel up north. We're in the middle. We travel down south. Like, there was nothing wrong with our right. situation. And that's where you have to realize. You have to step out and of it's faith. And it's harder there, too, because... Easy to make a decision when things are, like, chaotic around you. Like, I just got to get out of this. Or, if they're, even if they're not chaotic where you're at, and you know you're moving for an opportunity... Like, well, my yeah. husband's getting a job down there. Right. I'm getting a job down there. There was no opportunity for us. We weren't moving because I was taking a church or because there was an opportunity or there was greater. No, 
In fact, if you think about it logically, uh, an evangelist who travels all over the nation or all over the world, and we, we would drive to a lot of places. Like she said, that was a centrally located on the East Coast. We'd go north to New England. We could go south. And you think, well, now I'm going to go to the very tip of Florida in the country where you have to drive like hours and hours Six just hours to, just to get out of the to state. Get to the border where um, we live. Doesn't make logical sense. I wasn't going for an opportunity. So in the natural, in the flesh, you can't even look at anything to say, well, yeah, the reason we're going is because we're getting a job that pays double what we have now. That's that wasn't even there. There's no reason other than God said. You think about that. It takes faith. And I applaud my wife for hearing from the Lord and saying, okay, well, if God said it, we're going to do it. There was nothing to look at in the natural. And like she said, we had, everything was set up in Virginia. We're good to go. And yeah, you think like that. We own a home. Now we're going to go rent a home. You know, it sounds, sounds nuts. No, we're not renting now because when you obey the Lord, he blesses you with bigger and better. Absolutely. The home we have in Florida is far better than the one we have in Virginia. So I'm just telling you, when you obey the voice of the Lord and you come into that kind of agreement, there's agreement in the marriage. First of all, we never felt any strife from it. We never got into marital issues and problems, got into fights and stopped talking to each other. I said, we're moving. I don't care if you like it or your parents like, we're out of here. I'm not leaving. You can go. I'm taking, I'm staying here with the kids. You can go to Florida if you want to go to Florida. Like it, none of that happened. None of that happened. You know no. why? And I didn't press no, it in like, my flesh. People saying, yeah, that's a great idea. The people like, are you sure? I mean, Everyone that's... was, are you sure? Family's sad. They're crying. So like you had to make this decision through <laughs> not, not easy conversations with people. Right. And know that it, it was God speaking to him and me catching up to agree. <laughs> and that's the key. So what do you do? I like what Denise, uh, Denise Karam said. She said they knew a couple that battled that same tithing issue where uh, one of them wanted to tithe and the other spouse did not. And so literally, I think she said it was the wife. I have to go back and look. I think she said it was the wife. Yeah. So uh, the, she presented Malachi 3 to her husband and asked if they could try tithing on her income. And we've, we've encouraged people to do that. You know, maybe you're both working and your husband's like, you're not giving 10% of my money to the church. And, and you're like, well, I work for this money. I'm going to tithe at least from my income. And she said that. She said, you know, showing the husband, hey, here's what the Bible says. Could we try tithing from my income? And then saw such a blessing come upon them. See, God shows it. God shows his goodness to you. Thank you, Brittany, for sowing a seed. Thank you, Ben, for sowing a seed. We love you. Appreciate you. But it shows you. God will never, I just preached on this the other night. God doesn't ask you to do stuff without rewarding you for your obedience. There's always reward tied to obedience. Yeah, when, when we were um, riding over here and we were kind of talking about this, uh, you know, the thing that was brought up. Love you, Isaiah. Because Pastor Brian was in the car with us and it was like getting in unity. And I had to step it up myself. Like, you know, sometimes you can think, especially when you're married to, you know, someone who's always speaking, <laughs> is that there's nothing I need to do. Like, I'm good being a mom. I'm good going to the services and getting it there. I, you know, I'm good reading the children's Bible to my children at night, you know, and leaving it at that. But even though I 
was not someone who was speaking. I wasn't someone who was preaching. I wasn't, we didn't have broadcasts at the time. We didn't do anything like that. I didn't have my podcast. I had to realize that like, I, I wanted to be in unity with his spirit. I wanted to be in unity with him that I had to go after it myself. And whether it looked, you know, I get a lot of moms. How do you do this? When do you do this? Can you do this? But in every season's going to look different. Right. So when you have the newborn season, you know, you might not get to a good 30 minutes of devotions when you feel like it, you know, because you're keeping someone alive. And so you have to kind of do it on your own time. If you <laughs> seriously <Keeping> somebody alive. <laughs> it's really important, you know. And so, you know, I always tell new moms, if you can take a verse or two on a topic that you're trying to build your faith on, get the revelation of those verses yeah. before you feel like you have to read a 13-chapter devotional a right, day. Right. Because at that point, you're reading it in your flesh just to say, I did it. Yeah, Because yeah. I used to get heartbroken. I'd be like, you know, he can go off and excuse himself from the room. He could go have study time. He can go have preparation time. I can't do that. The kids immediately to this day know when my presence <laughs> They don't even have room. to be looking at you. It's just like they sense mom is gone. Yeah. And they're like, mom, just mom, like where you go? the other day I went up to my room to change and like within five minutes. Mom? I was like, mom. <laughs> how do you even know? I'm in the room and you don't need me. I leave the room and you need me. And so, and so there's always a time that we can give to the Lord until that changes and you have a little more time. Okay, now you got nap time. You, you know what I mean? You can do. Now my kids are older and I, I have more time. I get up in the morning before they wake up. They're more self-sufficient. I can leave them alone in a room while now I can go off and do something and pray. Or, you know, whatever my day looks like, there's always time that we can be giving to the Lord. Another way that I wanted to be um, in unity with Ted and the Lord worked on this with me is, you know, we do a lot of fasting throughout each year. And about three, four years ago, the Lord really spoke to me and he said, every time Ted goes on a fast, whether it be a corporate fast, whether it be personal, the Lord just calls him to fast. You fast when he fasts. Like, yeah, and man. She, yeah, and, and she has done that. <laughs> and so, he, and he'll say, you know, he, he doesn't mean to like throw it off or anything, but he'll, he'll say, oh, he'll call on a trip or something. He's like, I'm going to start a fast tomorrow. You don't have to do it. Don't, you don't have to do it. But I can't not do it because I made that vow. The Lord dealt with me and said, whenever he goes on a fast, you go on a fast. So even though he'll say, you don't have to do it. I'm just, you know, I'm doing it for three days or I'm just going to do it this week or whatever. I'm like, no, you're starting. I have to start and go on a fast with you. But understand what happens there is that the more, if you, if you looked at it this way, if, if the more one person presses into the spirit, they keep going further. If the other person decides to pull away, they're not, there, there just keeps being a different there's a change and there becomes, it, you, you get to the place where there's a great um, gap or chasm between what's going on in your life. It'd be like if, if, it'd be like if one of the spouses worked out uh, six days a week and the other one just ate junk food every day, all day. Like you might start looking the same, but like a- after a while, one's going to be like far different than the other in their life, their culture. And it's totally different. And, um, 
So it, it has to be that way. You have to take actions. You know, you have to take actions that bring unity. Think about that for a minute. I want you to put it in the comments, everybody that's watching. I must take actions that bring unity. There are actions that bring division and there are actions that bring unity. Pastor Brian uh, brought up a phenomenal point on the way over this morning talking about, you know, let's just say this, church is important. We've said this many times in the broadcast. Number one is your relationship with God. Number two is your relationship with your spouse. Number three is your relationship with your children. Number four is your career, your ministry, whatever else you're doing. That's last. It's not first, it's last. Your relationship with God, then your spouse, then your kids, then your ministry slash your career, your call, whatever. And so what'll happen is you got, you got wives. This is the, uh, the reason I say this is it's more common. You have wives that love the church and they love the vision of the church and they'll volunteer and they'll volunteer as a greeter and as a, uh, you know, on the worship team, they'll volunteer in the kids ministry yeah, and all these different stuff. To serve. They love to serve it. But then, you know, you're always going to church. You're always at church. You're at the revival services. Your husband's not even serving the Lord. He may begin to feel like, well, you're, cho- you're choosing the church over me. You're always at the church. You know, you're, not, you're never with me. And let me just say this. If you're wanting to see your husband catch on fire, your volunteer position at the church is not more important than your marriage relationship. You volunteering in the kids' ministry every single week, all the time, being at the church, choir practice, band practice. Yes, you should be a part of what your church is doing, but it's not more important than your relationship with your husband or wife. You want to see them come into the kingdom or you want to see them catch on fire. And so Pastor Brian has dealt with this, obviously, and dealing with those that have been at the church. And he said, one of the great things that he said and that he's done is that, you know what? There's things your husband wants you to do. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to spend time. But there's things he wants you to do that you don't even enjoy doing. He wants you to go on a fishing trip or he wants you to go to this and you don't even, you're just doing it because you love him. But, you know, it's two-way street. So, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to do that stuff with you. Go on the fishing trip, go, on the, go to the football game, whatever. But I want you to come to church with me. I want you to do, and see, relationships are a two-way street. They are a two-way street. And, you know, I don't, it's not wise to put things above. We know people that think about, we talk about family's important. We know people that put their kids over their spouse and, and, and beyond him. And they feel that, but let me tell you something, it's dangerous because what, here's what happens if you don't know is that if you just put your kids above your spouse, it'll be that way for about 18 years. And then the kids will leave. Then they'll go to college. Then they'll go get married. Then they move out. And instead of a spouse, you've got a roommate because you did not keep any of your intimacy. You didn't keep any of your friendship. You didn't keep dating. You didn't keep, that's, you know, I say this all the time. People laugh at me, but th- this is my girlfriend. You know, <laughs> this is my girlfriend. You know why? Because yes, yeah, she's my wife, but there's a problem because sometimes guys stop treating their wives like their girlfriend. Because you get too comfortable. I still want to date her. The comfort zone. You want to go on a date? Yeah. Where do you want to go? Can I get them digits? Seriously, though. You know, you know and, that, and that happens. You put other things above. And so you got you to gotta understand something is that any kind of love, any kind of unity has to be constantly cultivated. 
I'm going to say that again, and I want you to write it in the comments. Any love, any unity must be constantly cultivated. You have to, it's just like your yard. You can't cut the yard once. You can't do landscaping once. You understand? can't brush your teeth once. Anything that is worth anything has to be constantly cultivated. Well, also, it leads into a bad uh, representation of marriage for your children. Right. And how it is biblically. So it's not only that, I mean, like, everything we do as a Christian has a a repercussion. There's a repercussion to it. You know, everything he has is a connection. You see a cycle when you go through the, the word of God and you see, you know, this will lead to this, this leads to this, you know, there's a, a pattern, there's a path that takes. And so when you, not only will you end up with, with a roommate <laughs> later on in life, you've now shown your kids the wrong way of how a marriage is supposed to look. Right. You've shown your kids that they can have authority over you. And you think, oh no, I, I have authority over my kids. They do what I say. No. They've got a leash around you because they know mom prefers me over dad. She'll, she'll, she'll let me do this. She'll let me, you know what I mean? And then you've gotten where now they, without knowing subconsciously, don't even respect their father. Right, because the mother shows that. The mother has shown, well, she prefers me. She lets me do this. She lets me. And then you're training them. Without, you know, they don't have to be brats to, to run the household. Right. Know, not, it's not just bratty kids that run the household. <laughs> exactly. And people think it's just bratty kids, but it's not. You've now subconsciously trained them. So now when they get older, that's how they're going to be in their relationship. Absolutely. And so you've now caused this, you know, outside of the way God's created a marriage, mm-hmm. outside how God's created the umbrella of how parents and children are supposed to have a relationship. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just flippant. It wasn't just, we're going to see how this works. <laughs> he knew what he was doing when he created the umbrella of marriage the way parents are supposed to be, the way a family is supposed yeah. to run. So see, you think it just messes up the marriage and the relationship of a husband and wife. It does more damage right. than just that. Well, you know, it's like you think about, think about, for example, any sports team that's a great sports team. They don't just play games. They practice. Why do they practice? They practice so that the team is in unity on every one of those plays. Like, I watched one time, they did a breakdown on ESPN, I think it was on SportsCenter, Tom Brady, they watched how quickly Tom Brady, even in a five-wide five receiver setup, how quickly his eyes scanned all five receivers. It was like milliseconds. Like, he can drop back out, and, and after he gets the ball in his hands, scan all five and make a decision well, why? Why is there such unity that there's su- it's such a machine? Because they've practiced to the point where every route is second nature. They know how to quickly route it. They know when to cut. I mean, everything. And he's waiting and that he's already there. He's leading them with a the pass. Why is there that kind of unity? Because they've done it over and over and over and over and over. And they've watched game tape and they've gone out on the field and they've conditioned their bodies. And there's such unity that you got Super Bowls. Why? 
because they have cultivated unity on the team. And the, and the same thing has to be true in your marriage relationship. What steps are you taking to cultivate unity on your team? And it doesn't mean matching outfits. No, please don't do matching outfits. Husband and wives, don't, don't, don't do I was going to wear my leopard print shirt today, but she was wearing that one, so I didn't. No. Let, me, let, me, let me break something do down. That. They me, think that is a thing. They think that, I'm not kidding. Like, listen, people, they think that's a thing. It's unity. We're, we're, we're doing this. Ooh, we came out of the closet with the same outfit on, the same color. Ooh. It's like, no. Get it in your spirit. I mean, there's so many times where in a service, like I just, sometimes, you know, Ted will give money to somebody when he's prayed for them. He has sowed into them right then and there. There's times now because we operate that way where he's starting to pray for somebody. And I already know he's going to tell me to take my checkbook out that I've had a check ready to walk over to give to that person. That is the unity that you want to be in. Yeah. That's the unity when you make a decision. Not Absolutely. matching outfits, not this is making things look cute and stuff like that. Right. That's going to get you nowhere right. in life. And, and I will say this too. Intimacy is an important aspect of unity. Oh, we're going there. Don't, and it's because, I mean, if you look at what Paul, Paul taught on this. Let's go there. Paul dealt with it. Don't use sex and intimacy as a punishment in your marriage because your spouse didn't do what you wanted them to do. And you don't have the right to do that. No, according to scripture, you do not. You don't have the right to do that. The, according to scripture, her body belongs to me and my body belongs to her. That's what the Bible says. Uh, you don't have the right to say no. And so, you know, when I mean, she's dealt with this on the podcast, there are times people are tired. You get that. And of course, I prefer above myself. She prefers me. There's time. You're tired. Yes, we get that. But if you're tired for three weeks in a row, there's a problem. Yeah. There's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And so understand something. When you start using uh, intimacy as a punishment, oh, you don't want to do what I, you want to do? That, you're not, you ain't getting any. Well, that, you had a problem because you're further destroying your marriage. You're further destroying your unity. And one of the things you need to understand is not only should you not use it as a punishment, you should not neglect it. You should not neglect it. Paul said that, the apostle Paul. He said the only time you should ever neglect intimacy is if you both agree to come apart for a small period of time to seek the Lord in prayer. That's the only time. He said, but then come back together again quickly so that you're both not, uh, thrown off by the lusts of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. And so even the apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, said the only time a husband and a wife should pause their intimacy is for a short period to focus on prayer and maybe fasting. But after that, he said, quickly come back together again. So the Holy Ghost is telling you to be intimate with your husband and your wife. Why? Because... It is something God created to even bring more unity. In fact, did you know the apostle Paul taught this to the Corinthian church? Think about this for a minute. I bet you nobody's ever taught you this about sex before. I'm going to teach you right now. Paul said, 
This is why you shouldn't join your body to a prostitute. He said, because here's the thought process. Does God have any relationship with the devil? Does light have any relationship with darkness? Does the temple of God have relationship with idols? No. So in the same way, don't join yourself or unequally yoke yourself to something that's not of God. And so the key being, and this, this is truly the key, is that what he's saying is there's a unity in intimacy. That's why God created it. That's why it exists. That's why it's reserved for marriage. Because it brings a unity that's not there any other way. It's almost like the great reset. And so you start to realize that when that's not present, there's even more problems. There's even more problems. The problems compound when intimacy is also lost. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing that you're so tired from? And if something's making you so tired, don't do it so you can be with your spouse. Cut something out. Make a sacrifice of something. Don't always have that excuse. That's another way to get into roommate status. That's another way to get out of unity. Totally. You can't, that brings you together. That gives you a bond. You know, that that gets all fights out. No one's upset. You know, you're, you're not still mad at each other after you have sex. So that helps with keeping what? What if you are? Wasn't good enough then? You, you got problems. You got real problems. Hey, quick testimony. Billion said, at the doctor's with my mom, the mass has completely shriveled up. No more cancer. Woo. Thank you, Jesus, for healing yes, her mom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What a miracle. We give God all the praise. You ought to lift your hands and thank God, wherever you're watching from, that God just healed cancer. No more cancer. The mass is gone. Everything's gone. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for healing her. You get all the praise, you get all the glory, you are good, hallelujah. Your mercy endures forever. And so. But yeah, you can't, you can't, can't do let that. it get to that point. No. You've got to get back in the game. Gotta do it. You gotta do it because <laughs> the problem is the devil Put wants. Put me in coach. <laughs> the devil <laughs> wants to destroy marriages. Wants to destroy marriages. He's working hard to destroy marriages. And you've got to work hard to be led by the yes, spirit. Work harder to do the opposite of what I you like what my wife do. taught. She, you taught this on your podcast. I did? Marriage is not 50, 50. It's 100, 100. Talk about that. <laughs> it's good. No, it's true. That's how a lot of people look at it. You do this. I'll do this. I'm going to put in this much. I'm going to put in this much, but it's not. It's each side has to give your all a hundred a hundred. That's what the Lord's requiring of us. That's how we make it work. It's not, you know, here's your few little tasks. Here's mine. And we're going to, you know, no, I need to do my job solely like the Bible, you know, tells us to do. He needs to do his job. And then that's how we get that equal trust that he was talking about Mm -hmm. earlier is that I trust he's, he's listening from the Lord. He's doing his part. He trusts that I am. And, and then that's how you make it work. So it is a hundred, a hundred. You can't look at it as, you know, uh, I have to do my part, whether he does his part. Right. Because that's the instruction that's given to me. It's almost like work like the other one's not going to work at all. But knowing they will. 
But like if I had to carry the whole thing on my shoulders and she had to carry the whole thing on her shoulders. But if you're both doing that, then there's like such a, a smooth synergy. It's like mind blowing. It's not 50-50. So it's not 50-50. You have to do it no matter if your spouse is or not. They'll catch up to it. They'll see just like you gave that testimony or the story earlier. You know, once she made some adjustments, then he made some adjustments. And now, you know, both serving in the house of God, both being a part of it, both coming to church together. So you have to be an example for your spouse if they're not there yet. Pray for them. Fast for them. Don't blab about issues to everybody, but truly present it to the Lord. You know, marriage is such a holy thing that the devil wants, as you see in this nation. To destroy it. Trying to do same sex, trying to do destroy this, trying to have single moms in the house and single dads in the house and, you know, pushing kids you know, out of the house, keeping them occupied, not even having a family unit anymore. That's such a big thing for the enemy because he knows that there's, you know, chaos where there's no unity. That's right. It says in Amos 3.3, how can you go together when one's going to the right, one's going to the left? Just like, you know, looking up, can't keep your eye up and one down. You have to be in unity. It has to be together in order for it to work. That's exactly right. If you're going to flow in a marriage relationship, you have to be open to the flow. I mean, if the whole, if Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he's the head of the home, then you've got to be willing to flow in the Holy Ghost. So funny to me that people want to, they want to be led by the spirit in their church. They want to be led by the spirit in their job. They want to be led by the spirit in their calling, their purpose. They don't, nobody wants to be led by the spirit in their marriage. Be led by the spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Be led to know by the Holy Ghost. Now's the time you need to be praying for your wife more than you have been. You need to be praying for your husband more than you have been. Be led by the Spirit. My parents were led by the Spirit in raising me and my sister. My dad would be led by the Spirit. Let the Lord speak to him about, you know, if the enemy was trying to come against me or to kill me or whatever. I was a little boy. I was a little boy. And uh, up in Rhode Island at my grandparents' house uh, in, in East Providence. And I was, I was over there and my dad had this vision of me out on the street in a car sweep, like flying by. And he started praying, Holy Ghost, call goes down and the Lord had protected me. Exactly what he saw in the vision is something that just happened, but I wasn't out in the middle of the street. And I had, he said, your face was all white, like you'd see, just seen a ghost and you had a close encounter. Well, he was led by the spirit to pray when he should have prayed, when I was in college and got in that car accident, not one scratch on my body. And I called my dad first thing after and I said, uh, I just got in a car accident. He said, earlier this afternoon, I had a vision of you getting in a car accident. I began to pray in the Holy Ghost till I felt a release in my spirit. And see, my dad, I wasn't even wearing a seat belt. I was asleep at the wheel, went through two lanes of oncoming traffic, went through a restaurant parking lot, went over, I mean, through part of a city, uh, went through like part of a city thing, destroyed a city drain, not one scratch on my body. And uh, I mean, literally supernatural, but see, it was his prayer. He was led by the spirit in raising his children, led by the spirit in marriage. You got to let be led by the spirit in your home. If you want the flow, you have to be connected to the one who gives the flow. That's how it works. 
Bible says in Romans 8, 14, is that all that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Sons of God, that's women too. We're all sons of God. There are no daughters of God. The sons get the inheritance. And so in the same way that every man is the bride of Christ, amen, and so the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. That's a characteristic that if you are a child of God, you are led by his Spirit. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger's they will not follow. And so there's nothing more important in your marriage than being led by the Holy Ghost. That being led by, listen to me, not just being led by the Holy Ghost in your spirit, being led by the word of God. Are you willing to obey what the word says about marriage? Are you willing to submit to your, to your husband as unto the Lord? Are you willing to love your wife like Christ loved the church, giving himself for it? Are you willing to have that kind of dedication in a marriage where you put your wife and your children first before you every single time? Because that's what Christ did. You think Christ wanted to lay down his life? You think his flesh wanted to have nails driven through his hands and feet? to be pierced in his side, have a crown of thorns pulled down over his head, be beaten on his face until he was unrecognizable, take stripes upon his back. He didn't, his flesh didn't want any of that, but he did it because he wanted to see you redeemed. He wanted to see you in heaven. He wanted to see you free from sin, sickness, poverty. He wanted to give you life more abundantly. So what did he do? Gave himself for the church, which is his bride. Husbands, are you willing to lay down your life? Are you willing to give yourself for your wife and your children. That's why, that's why the devil hates fathers. That's why he tries to pull fathers out of the home. One of the biggest things in America that, that leads to children going to jail, children having issues, children not graduating high school, children getting into issues, is they have no father in the home. That's not a Christian perspective. That's statistically proven. When you pull a father out of the home, the children are headed for destruction in large part. It's because the devil hates fathers and he knows what the authority of a father will do in the home. Wives, are you willing? Are you willing to be that wife that's led by the spirit? Are you willing to pray for your husband? Are you willing to pray for your children? Are you willing to train them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it? And see, that's the key. God wants strong marriages, strong relationships. He wants the flow to be there. And here at the end, I'm going to pray for you. But you have to go after it. You have to. Christianity is an action word. Yeah. Just like we always say, faith is an action word. You have to operate your faith. You have to go after it. You have to do it. But really, your entire relationship, when you get saved and become a Christian, it's an action. The entire walk with the Lord until you go to heaven. It's It's an action. You have to do stuff. You have to be proactive. You have to know what the Bible says. You have to. I grew up in church and I knew what the Bible said, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I personally went after it to ask the Lord, give me revelation of what your word says when I read it. I know stories in the Bible. I, I, I grew up in a great Christian Pentecostal home. I'm on my way to heaven. But I see things differently now when I decided to step it up and go after the things of God. Mm -hmm. Like never before. Ladies, you have time. Read the word of God. Mm -hmm. See what the Lord is speaking to you. Pray that the Holy Spirit 
you know, you're, you're, you're wanting to do something, you need your husband to hear it, pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Pray that it works on his heart. I mean, it, it, it can't do anything else but change for the better. That's right. When you operate in how the Word of God asks you and commands us to operate. That's right. We can't expect things to change in our life, even just coming to the two weeks of revival services. If you don't apply right. anything that you've learned, anything that you've heard this week, and you've just come and sat for two hours and then go home and go about your business during the day, it means nothing. Right. It means nothing. You have to take the action of applying what you heard this week, going after it, filling your spirit man up. Because when the, when the revival services are over and the excitement and the joy, you know, everyone's laying on the floor and it's back to your normal nights coming home from work, then what? Right. You're waiting until next year to be filled again? I no. Know. You have to take the action steps daily. That's why it says when you pray, pray like this. Give me this daily bread. There's fresh revelation every day. Yep. Fresh miracles, fresh provision. There's fresh bread every day. Who the Amen. heck likes moldy, stale bread Not with me. green stuff on it? Nope. Goes in the trash. God didn't offer that for us. He offered us fresh daily bread. Amen. Freshness in your marriage daily. Freshness in a walk with your children, a love, a patience. Everything is fresh daily, but we can't sit on it. That's right. Christianity is a proactive relationship with the Lord. Exactly right. Many, I mean, I know you're watching or listening. You might be dealing with these things in your marriage and things are not ideal or going where you want them to go. But we're going to pray for you here at the end of this uh, broadcast today and ask God to turn your marriage around, to turn your husband around, turn your wife around, that bring that kind of a, a unity and a synergy into your relationship that you need to have so that your marriage does not end in destruction, that your kids don't end in a place of disappointment. And we're going to pray and ask the Lord. So Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person that's listening or watching this broadcast, Lord, for every marriage, I pray in Jesus' name that whatever the enemy used to try to destroy God's people and the marriage that you've joined together, Lord, we take authority over that attack against the relationship in the mighty name of Jesus. Every wicked thing sent by the devil to destroy that union that you made, Lord, we command it to loose its grip. Loose its hold. We speak peace into those marriages, joy, love. Lord, I ask you to get a hold of every husband that's not serving the Lord. Get a hold of them. Let the gospel come into their heart. Let somebody preach it that they'll receive. Break down the stone walls around their heart. And I pray that you'll not only let them hear the gospel, bring them into the kingdom. Do the same for every wife that's not serving the Lord. Let them hear the word of God and be saved. Lord, for those that are serving you but may not be on fire or pressed in, I ask you, Lord, to bring unity in those marriages. In Jesus' name, set the heart of the husband on fire. Set the heart of the wife on fire. In Jesus' mighty name, we ask you, Lord, touch them. Give them that same love for each other like they had at the very beginning. Rekindle it, refresh it, renew it. Let them be anointed parents to those children. 
Let them uh, raise those children up in the way they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from the ways of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys, and thank you for being with us. We want to encourage you. Carolyn and I, we're getting ready to take the largest steps we've ever taken, and doors have opened to do that. And we're going to be preaching the gospel around the world every single week. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Not only are we feeding hundreds of children every single day, and we just increased our partnership to a new level with Feed the Hungry as well, but we are now going around the world preaching the gospel every single week, and you're a part of that. Take a moment and do something significant. Sow something significant that's going to shake your generation by the power of the Holy Ghost. What can you do by faith that will cause the the increase to come to your life, but will also cause the gospel to come to others around the world. It's important that we do this together as a family. It's not just about one person or about a few. It's about the entire family of God. And God's put seed in your hand because he gives seed to the sower, gives bread to the eater. What do we do every time, every year? We always make sure that not only are we giving more total this year, yep. but the largest one-time seeds. Yeah, we check it throughout the year. You always every, go and get a, a, a tally. Every few we, you know, I go through, add stuff up. That's what I did when, uh, during the quarantine. Because, like, how God opened the door for the studio, you know, you get a word right before shutdown, and you come home off the road, traveling ministers and traveling shutdown. And you're like, okay, Lord, you gave us this word. And it wasn't even two months that we found a place and God opened the door and gave it to us. I mean, at at an incredible rate, everything is perfect about it. I already know that there's an expansion coming, felt it when I walked in the building the first day we looked at it. And that's what my faith is set on. And so I know that you have to set these goals and, and keep going. It it pushes you to go to the next level. Everyone knows everyone sets goals for everything, workouts, you know what I mean? Different things that they're saving for, believing for. You set a goal. When you reach a goal, what is the, the person wants to go? What to another goal? Right. So that's what we do with our giving. We set a goal we have for the last 15 years of our marriage and every year it gets more. Absolutely. One-time gift and overall giving throughout the year. And the reason, I mean, you break down for a second why we do that. Of course, we know that we're, we, everybody wants God to bless them at a higher level every year. But the key is the blessing comes from the seeds you sow. So our goal is, Lord, let us sow more total into your kingdom this year than we ever have. But then what, the question people ask, well, why do you guys do that about, well, what does it matter how, how much you give at one time? Because one of the things that we have learned is that not only do we want to give that total over 12 month period, but we never ever want to allow our flesh to govern how we deal with money. Your flesh feels those things. So for example, your flesh, maybe if you've never given a thousand dollar seed before, Go ahead and give one and watch how your flesh feels, tries to pull back. Hold on, $1,000, take it easy. But we, we got past that. You know, we started sowing $1,000 and, and I remember when we first did it, it took a lot of faith to do it. And we sowed it and we were like, man, this is a big faith step. But then the God kept blessing us 
And it didn't mean the same thing anymore to us. Didn't feel the same to release $1,000 seeds into the kingdom. We found ourselves doing it more and more often. And it just became almost like second nature. You just release it. And, then what do you got to do? And anything in your life to go to a new level, what do you have to do? You have to do something better than it was behind it. Right. So in anything in life, so same with your giving. If you want to go to a new level of giving, you right. have to do better than you did on that level. Yeah. You can't skip levels without doing better than the previous level. That's what Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It doesn't work that way. You change your seeds if you want different harvests. So once that became like second nature to sow a thousand, sow a thousand, sow a thousand, we had to bump it up to where we felt faith again to do that next thing. So we started sowing $2,500 seeds, $2,500 seeds, because we weren't feeling the same faith that it took like it used to. Why? God kept taking us up. And then what happened? After that, we bumped to $5,000 seeds and then $10,000 seeds. And you keep going up. Why? Because your, your faith has to be activated when you take those steps, when you make those moves. And then, of course, every year, our church, we have a New Year's Eve service and we sow a seed, setting ourselves up for the upcoming year. And we want to make sure that seed is greater than it was the year before. I mean, there were times... I remember that, you know, we were sowing largely and it was like, you know, last year we sowed largely and it didn't matter to us if we had to make it $1 more, (laughs) you remember? Anything that pushes you to the next level and and you go think, oh, well, it's Christmas time. I've got to do this, but no, you can't put anything before your giving. Our Christmas gifts will never take precedent over our seeds ever, ever. Actually in the fall, we start, you know putting away for our seed for, for our seed yeah not yeah. for christmas no, for no, our seed for our seed we yeah. actually start thinking about it months before yeah, what are we going to sow because you train yourself it's not like oh shoot we're having a new year's eve service and now we have to give right you become in such you become such a giver <laughs> that it becomes a lifestyle so when people say well giving you don't just do it's a lifestyle right. it truly becomes a lifestyle because you're remembering it now months in advance yeah. saying i need to prepare ask the lord and start preparing right. you prepare for a vacation you prepare for you know your kids private school funds you mm-hmm. prepare for everything else in life but people don't prepare for giving but that has to be the the number one thing in your life as a christian yep. is you preparing for your giving so we we prepare we've got special seeds in our church Easter time, Thanksgiving, you know, these are things that we've put on our list as a preparation that it becomes normal nature for us now. Yeah. And you have to make that up in your mind. You know, is what I'm doing taking faith? So you see the information on the screen. You can go to miracleword.com. You can go to uh, PayPal. You can use that cash app. You can use hashtag donate. Uh, Also Venmo. All the information is there. But if you go to miracleword.com and click the give tab, you have the ability to use any of those avenues to sow a seed or to partner with us on a monthly basis. And so I want to encourage you to take a step of faith today and do what you've never done. Step out and do what you've never done. Of course, you know that as you're sowing this month of October, we're going to be blessing you with this book by Dr. Lester Sumrall, phenomenal book called Adventuring with Christ. 
It's his life story. It's an exciting adventure through his ministry at the beginning years when, you know, there were no cell phones. There was no, you know, credit cards. And he went around the world with no money, literally, to meet Howard Carter and Smith Wigglesworth. And God blessed them. So for your seed this month of $85 or more, I know it says 100 but we're doing it for everybody that sows 85 or more. And if you'd like to receive that gift, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Make sure you fill out the form. Let us know you gave and uh, tell us where to send the book. Did you put the kids slide up yet? Yeah, the kids, this, we've been doing it. I want to see the kids slide. You got the kids slide, Justin? Give me the kids slide, Justin. She wants people to see that kids slide. Yeah, because. She worked hard on it. It's an excellent, excellent month for the kids. I did work hard You on did, it. and but it looks great. I want you guys to get this material. It's free. We're learning about the fruit of the Spirit, the nine yep. fruit of the Spirit. All you have to do is go to MiracleWordKids.com. You just put in an email address, and we send it to you with an email. And we want to see your pictures. We want to see you doing it. I had someone send me something the other day, and they took a step, and they did an action of writing a, a note to their sibling. And so the mom was real proud because it must, you know, they probably go at it all the time. And so they were operating the fruit of the Spirit. But it's important. This is not a suggestion. Okay, we have to live by the fruit of the spirit. And when you learn about the fruit of the spirit, like you do uh, this month, you'll see that it all ties in together. The verses that we that I've added in there it all. If you're going to be in love, when you have love, joy, peace, it all follows each other. That's right. So you have to operate in the fruit of the spirit. Absolutely. It is a command and it's something that has to be a part of our life. Bible says you're known by your fruit. Listen, we love you guys. We got two more nights of revival tonight. Today's Thursday, right? Yes. Yes. Thursday tonight, seven o'clock tomorrow night, Friday night. I'm telling you, get to Crossroads Community Church. If there's no way you can get here, by the way, all the info is on the website. But if you can't get here, we're going to be live tonight on Facebook, Periscope and YouTube, just like we are right now. And uh, join us for these last two nights, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's New York. If you're around the world, Eastern time, New York City time, 7 p.m. You don't want to miss these services. They've been powerful, powerful. She's destroying that paper straw. We refuse to receive it. It's like a demon in church and it needs to go out the back door. Can you give us Lena a, says, a can song? all past teaching no. be downloaded for not, somewhere for the not kids? Not right now. We've no. got some things got coming little, in little for something the new coming year, for you. Lena. Don't be pushing me around, all right? Lena's, she's going to get you. My Puerto Rican friend. No. Lena's going to get I you. I love her so much. I love you, Lena. I'll see you at church on Sunday. That's right. Um, I will not. I was trying to end us with a song title, but I'm trying to think. A song title? Do. Well, you want to sing a song? No. I want to have like you sing you a song. Like you were doing. Begin to sing. No, like we were doing at the beginning. But I can't think of any more boy bands to leave our Just sing deck. something. Folks, I'd like to welcome now, with a song no, in her heart. I don't have a song in my heart. Sister Carolyn I did not wake up with a song in my heart. Begin to sing. Sound man, roll that, roll that track. <laughs> uh, come on, go. Let's end it. Everybody this. ought to know. We love you. Thanks for hanging with us. It's time to get with your yeah. husband and wife. I'm like the Pepe Le Pew of, of Pentecost. Don't be a skunk. They're stinky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just like me. No. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock, New York time. Have a blessed day. Love you. Talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff. 
leaders should be made of.